I love to read. In fact, you might even call me a reading freak, and I've been that for as long as I can remember. While in high school, I had to read Charles Dickens's David Copperfield, those were the days, and Shakespeare's Macbeth. So I actually set myself the task, because I thought it would be good background, the task of reading all of Dickens's novels and all of Shakespeare's plays. And I have to say, David Copperfield is still my favourite Dickens novel, and since then I've actually read it about four or five times. Shakespeare, another thing. Not my favourite. On my side of the bed at home, you'll find a couple of newspapers, the current Time magazine, my Bible, a novel or two or three, and a couple of theological tomes, because that's what they usually are, and Carmel calls that a mess, while I call it a mini, a mini library. Recently, my daughter introduced me to a, a new writer, a crime writer by the name of Simon Beckett. And he writes very sophisticated whodunits based around a lot of scientific, scientific details. And while over the break I was in Barrel for a week on holidays, I devoured all four of his books, about this thick, each one, and still had time for shopping with Carmel, uh, long walks in the morning and a couple of games of golf where I played myself and actually won. <laughs> uh, but in each of his books, I was actually shocked at the end because I thought I had it all sorted out and then just in the last couple of fa- pages, I found I was completely wrong as to who had done the crime. But while I was in Barrel... I went into a bookstore one day and in the religion section of the bookstore, bookstore I found an interesting book. Um, it's a book by Francis Spufford, an English writer. He's actually a journalist but teaches writing as well in a university over there. And his book title is Unapologetic, Why Despite Everything Christianity Can Still Make Surprising Emotional Sense. And the best thing, probably, well, it's a great book, but one of the good things about it, and this tells you something about myself as well, my son-in-law bought it online for me, so it didn't actually cost me anything. But the book got me thinking again about some of the reasons and feelings that make me glad that I'm a Christian and especially glad in regard to why Avondale is Christian. Have a look at our... uh, our mission and vision statements. Our vision, when it comes up, says to be a quality Australian Christian university. And our mission says fostering a Christian higher education learning community that is dedicated to serving world needs. Why does Christianity make good sense, even good emotional sense? For one thing, It seems to me that Christianity is actually very honest about our human situation. And I know that this is a really negative place to start the college year, but Christianity actually starts with the affirmation that all of us, to use the old-fashioned word, are sinners. Now, sin is a religious word that has been grabbed by contemporary society 
so that sin is now a brand name for ice cream or a top-end brand of chocolate truffles and even red lingerie. You call that sin. Taxes on cigarettes and alcohol are called sin taxes. And if we use the word these days, it usually means that we're opposed to pleasure. But in actual fact, what it's saying to all of us is that we have actually messed up. Francis Francis Spufford says that it means that we have the human propensity, and sorry to use the French, and I won't quite use it, he says we have the human propensity to F things up. And he shortens that, and you'll see it on the screen here, that's the human propensity to F things up. He says that describes all of us. I describe it as the human propensity to mess things up. That's what we're like. That's what we're all like as humans. Some of it has to do with the choices that we make, and choices are really important, but it also has to do with the way that we are. Freud, the psychologist, said, there are unconscious processes in us which resist conscious intentions. And probably Paul Um, Paul the Apostle stated it best when he said, what I want to do, I do not, but what I hate, I do. Or John Newton's hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Not very positive, is it? And Newton, John Newton, was a wretch. There's no doubt about that. He was an 18th century slave trader who made a living by transporting kidnapped cargoes of human beings in the most squalid conditions to places where they and their children and grandchildren would be bought and sold and brutalised. And the wrinkle in this story is that Newton wrote this song, Amazing Grace, while he was still a slave trader. But the grace that would not let him go finally brought him to the place where he gave up the darkness for the light, for grace. And if the guilt of knowing that we, all of us, have messed up, brought Newton to the light, it can do the same for us. That's one of the things that tells me that Christianity is worth considering. It tells us what we're like. Secondly, Christianity pushes us beyond merely keeping the rules. During mid last year, I spent a bit of time in Israel and Turkey, one a Jewish country, the other an Islamic country. And during my time in Israel, we stayed in an Orthodox Jewish hotel in Jerusalem. And on the Sabbath, the lift was set to automatic so that people would not have to work by pressing the button to get to the floor that they wanted to go to. The lift would just stop at every floor, open at every floor and wait for you to get on or off. In Istanbul, in Turkey, good Muslims prayed towards Mecca five times a day. And although it may be inconvenient, 
or even time-consuming, you can keep the rules, even the food rules, kosher or halal, by juggling saucepans in the kitchen or by reading carefully the sides of food packages. But Christianity, or Jesus, asks us to go beyond the rules. And the ironic thing about Christianity is that although we might allow ourselves to give all of our money to feed the poor, or we could allow ourselves to be slapped around without fighting back, or we could care for lepers, or we could, fa- we could laugh in the face of financial losses, it still would not count if we were doing it for the wrong reasons. Generous Generosity performed out of a motive of self-interest just won't cut it. So the bad news is that everyone fails. Everyone. And then thirdly, I think Christianity answers needs in us that sometimes we don't even realise are there. I've thought long and hard about how I might say this, a few texts strung together, a personal testimony, but only yesterday I listened to something that actually says it far better than anything I can say. I want you to look at this. YouTube YouTube clip and it's a clip from the funeral service of the wife of the Vice-Chancellor of Sydney University. Michael Spence was scheduled to come to talk to our Avondale family last year at graduation as our main speaker for graduation and a week or so before, uh, before he was due to come here his wife took ill And until yesterday, I did not actually realise that she'd passed away just over a week after our graduation service. This clip tells it all about how Christianity meets some of the needs that we as human beings have. Not only did Beth love others, she knew that she was secure in the love of God. At Smith College, Beth studied philosophy and theology, and her faith was bit by bit, largely though not entirely, deconstructed. But she never lost the strong conviction that she was loved by God. She used to say that there was almost nothing else that she could say about him with certainty. At Oxford, she developed far more rigorous intellectual resources, and her faith was rebuilt And as it was, that strong sense of the love of God grew even deeper. At one point, when we first had children, she became frightened of death for the first time. She studied 1 Corinthians 15 until she could affirm more fully the hope of the resurrection. A story from Corrie Ten Boom was a great comfort to her. Frightened of death, the young Corrie had spoken to her father. When we go to Amsterdam in the train, he'd said... When do I give you the ticket? When I need it, just before the barrier, she replied. Well, God will give you the confidence you need to face death, just when you need it, he replied. I can testify. I can testify. I can testify that God gave Beth that confidence in the last few weeks. 
At no point in the process, to the great surprise of the oncologist, did she seem fearful, though she was characteristically concerned for me. Her last words reflected the prayer that had been prayed with her, that she would know the love of the Good Shepherd. I and the Father are one, she declared three times, as she tried to pull out the tubes from her body to get ready to go home. The nurses said, she's irritated by the tubes. I thought, you twits. She's had the tubes in for three weeks. She's getting ready to go. And she knows where she is going. I and the Father are one, she said. We'll hear that passage read in a moment. The time in the hospital was a very tender time for Beth and me. As we got the chance to be with one another alone and to serve one another and to laugh over all the icky bits of the process. Looking back, we can see how God's been preparing us for this. A perfectly timed phone call from England just after her first diagnosis reminded us of his love for us. The strong conviction that I had just before Beth went into hospital that God loved her more than I could ever do. The unexpected three-month visit late this year of friends from the US who are writing a book on grief and helped us to think through the issues before we ever had to face them. The seminar talk that Beth gave on grief just weeks before she became ill. It doesn't mean it doesn't suck. It doesn't mean it doesn't suck. Jesus wept at the grave of Lazarus. My son says he's going to have that tattooed. Jesus wept. And he snorts, he snorts like a horse in the best translations at a man's illness. But it does mean that in all this there is a God who understands. And it means that there is hope that love will win. Hope grounded in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Beth knew all that. And it meant that she died as she lived, confident in the love of God. As she, as she died, I sang her, Jesus loves me, this I know. She knew it. She knew it too. Unsentimental love of others, confidence in the love of God. This is the gold and silver with which my darling wife built. When the great ones die, they tell of their deeds. My wife has died. I want to talk about love. Deeds die. But love for others and confidence in the mighty flood of the love of God. These are things that will survive until we are reunited with her in a place where crying and pain are no more. We love you, Beth. And we're looking forward to seeing you again. And in the meantime, we will just miss you something awful. So I'm glad that I'm a Christian and I'm glad that Avondale is Christian. There are many reasons why I'm glad that Avondale is Christian. Education with strong values undergirding it. 
the strong possibility that you will encounter Jesus Christ while a student at Avondale through your interactions with another student or a staff member in a class or in a moment of worship. This is not a perfect place. After all, we're here. But it's a great place to grow a relationship with each other and with God. Another reason why I'm glad Avondale is Christian is because I am in absolute awe of the service orientation of Avondale students. The way you live out your Christian faith in service to others is inspiring. And it's that that makes Avondale Christian even more than the Christian studies classes. It's that that has always made Avondale what it is, a place where one gains a greater vision of world needs. Try to imagine what 2013 would be like for Avondale if we all caught that vision. What our community would be like, what our world would be like. Yes, I'm glad that Avondale is a Christian educational institution and we're absolutely unapologetic about it. Well, I'm here to, uh, to thank Professor Roenfeld for his, uh, his words this morning. In fact, I was thinking this morning, if I was the president, and trust me, it's better for you and me that I'm not, but if I was the president, what would I say? Because there's so many things I'm sure that, uh, that he would have wanted to say to you guys this morning. But every time I uh, listen to him, I learn something. I've learnt that he's, he's read Who Done It's to help the resident staff work out who's done the chaffs. Um, <laughs> I've, I've learnt that there's lingerie called sin, which I never knew. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I've learnt something else too, and that is, uh, as I wondered what he may talk about, as he finished, I thought, of course, what else would you talk to students about but to highlight uh, the grace of God, the fact that God uh, loves you and understands you more than anyone else? And, uh, and the fact that he's our premise and, uh, and we're so very fortunate to be here. So, Professor Rowenfeld, thank you. <laughs>